0: podcast number 668 for the 10th of November 2019. This week, about the time you think you're aware of every possible photo application, one you've never heard of pops up. That's the case with the Movavi photo editor from Siberia. Yes, Siberia in Russia. In short circuits, an article on CNET claimed to describe how professional photos can be taken with phone-based cameras. Let's explore that thought. If you have one or more external USB disk drives attached to your computer, and you find that they power down at inconvenient times, there is a quick and easy fix. In spare parts, only on the website. Adobe Max 2019 attracted nearly 20,000 attendees to Los Angeles this week as the company released some new applications and updates for most existing applications. That email that seems to be from somebody you know might be a fraud. Look closely because fraudsters are getting better. And 20 years ago, I was worrying about people who didn't routinely back up their computers. Things are better now, but only marginally. If you believe that I've mentioned every possible photo editing application, well, you have another think coming. This time, I've encountered a photo editing application from Eastern Russia that you might want to consider. You've probably noticed that TechBiter has had a lot of photo processing application reviews recently. It seems that every software publisher in that market space has just released a new version. Exposure, formerly Alien Skin, released Exposure X5 in early October. Adobe constantly updates Lightroom and Photoshop. Last week I had a close look at Photoshop Elements 2020. This week it is Movavi Photo Editor's turn. Movavi is a company you may not have heard of. I hadn't, even though it's been around since 2004. In the beginning, Movavi had module programs for denoise, focus, norlook, and batch, but then decided to merge them all into photo editor. Because some users prefer single-purpose programs that solve one particular problem, Movavi continues to make those components available individually. The Movavi Photo Editor has several notable features, and one astounding feature. Let's start with the astounding feature, because, well, because it's astounding. I have been scanning some old family photos. You probably have some pictures like this lying around the house. Some of them may have tears or other damage. You might like to be able to fix those problems. However, I want to make one thing absolutely clear at this point. If damage to the old photograph has destroyed the subject's face or other important parts of the image, there is no way to fix the problem without involving a highly talented photo retoucher. That said, damage that's limited to rips, spots, and such in the background, solid parts of the image, or the subject's hair or clothing, the Movavi photo editor will probably surprise you with its magic. So we're starting with that astounding feature the application has a Restore button, and clicking it offers two options, Enhance and Colorize. The user can select either or both. I found a photo of my father as a Scoutmaster. The picture was probably taken in the late 1930s, and it had a lot of dust spots and small scratches. I didn't colorize the image, but I did have Movavi Photo Editor clean up the dust spots. It did an outstanding job with the dust spots, but but it also added a considerable amount of smudging and blurring. I like what the application did in cleaning up the scratches and imperfections across my father's face, but I found the blurring to be objectionable in some areas of the photograph. That's a very good reason to keep the original scanned image and the restored image. By the way, you'll see that photograph and all other photographs I mention here on the podcast on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. A photograph of a relative who served in the Pacific during the Second World War had a small tear and some other minor imperfections. The restored version is quite an improvement. The most serious damage was repaired and the blurring that was added, at least to my eyes, is not objectionable. Movavi Photo Editor's Colorize option falls a bit short when compared to the Colorize function in Adobe Photoshop Elements. Note, though, that the Adobe application doesn't have a repair feature. So in a case like this, the best solution might be to use the Movavi Photo Editor to restore the photo, save the image as a TIFF, open it in Adobe Photoshop Elements, and perform the colorization there. It is also possible to colorize black and white images using Lightroom Classic or Photoshop, but the process is far from automated, as you'll see if you watch a video by Nathaniel Dodson on YouTube. You'll find a link to that video on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The Movavi photo editor's interface is a little unusual. The first thing I noticed is that there is no file organizer mode. To start working on a photo, the user selects Open from the menu, and that opens the Windows Explorer or the Mac Finder. Once any photo in a directory has been opened, all of the images in the directory are shown in a film strip at the bottom of the screen. The program does not write sidecar files, so all edits are destructive. Three buttons at the top left offer Undo, Redo, and Revert. Revert clears all of the changes that have been made to a photo. The top center section of the interface is the really important part. It has buttons labeled Adjust, Retouching, Object Removal, Crop, Change Background, Text, Frames, Restore, Denoise, Insert Image, Rotate Effects, and Resize. On narrow screens, some of those buttons will be hidden, but there will be a new button called More, and it will display all of the hidden options. The upper right section of the interface has three buttons labeled Before and After, which displays side-by-side views of the original and the edited version, View Original, which toggles between the original and edited versions, and Photo Manager. Now, you might wonder how I can claim that the application has no Photo Manager, as I said just a little while ago, when there is a button clearly labeled Photo Manager. Well, here's how I can make that claim. Click that button and a browser window will open and offer to sell you the Photo Manager for $40. The Photo Manager application supports all common file formats, including most raw formats. The right side of the interface is context sensitive. A couple of examples here. In the Adjust mode, you'll see sliders for automatic enhancements, high dynamic range effects, white balance, exposure, and things like that. Select Frames and you'll be presented with various frame effects that can be applied to the image. Change background offers instructions for selecting the main subject so the background can be removed. The denoise function does a reasonable job removing luminance noise, the white speckles you may see on a photograph, and chrominance noise, which are random color specs, but of course at the cost of some loss of detail. The image you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website is enlarged to 400% so that both the noise removal and the loss of some fine details will be visible. When viewed at more normal size, the image will display improved clarity without objectionable loss of detail. Unlike most current applications, Movavi Photo Editor doesn't automatically save changes. When opening a new photo or exiting the application, the user is prompted to save or discard any changes. Saving offers two additional options, Save As or Overwrite. Save As is the preferred choice, of course, to avoid permanently changing an original image. Several file formats are offered. The best choice for quality would be TIFF. On installation, Movavi Photo Editor places its files in an unusual location, AppData, instead of the more common Program Files or Program Files x86. That's because there was some problem with launching the program from program files. So, says Movavi's Maria Serdovinstova, we had to change it. The photo editor is priced at $45 for individuals, $85 for companies. You can add the photo manager for $15, or the photo manager and a slideshow maker for a total price of $80. Prices for business users are, as I mentioned, $85 for the basic program, then $120 or $160, respectively, if you add the other applications. All of the applications are the same, but users are told not to use software obtained under a personal license, For commercial purposes. Unlike most other software publishers, Movavi allows installation only on a single computer per license. Users with a desktop computer and a notebook computer will need two licenses, as will a user with a Windows system and a Mac OS system. The Movavi website has more than 30 how-to articles covering topics such as fixing red eye caused by camera flash, image rotation, and changing a photo's background. There's a free trial version that can be downloaded and like nearly all other photo applications it will not run on Windows XP or Vista. So the bottom line here is Four Cats Movavi Photo Editor offers some compelling capabilities. Although the Movavi Photo Editor seems to be somewhat behind the curve in some areas, and it doesn't have some useful features found in Adobe, Exposure, and On1 applications, its ability to repair scans of damaged old photographs might be worth the cost of the program. The macOS version of Photo Editor doesn't yet have that photo restoration feature, though. The unusual interface is easy enough to master, and unlike many competing applications, it fits comfortably on a single high-resolution screen. You'll find additional details on the Movavi website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, In short circuits, several recent TechBiter programs have dealt with photo editing applications, so it was interesting when I received an email from CNET with the subject, take professional photos on your phone's camera. Would professionals really consider phone-based cameras? Well, the answer, of course, is no, but that doesn't change the fact that photography is more about the photographer's eye than the hardware. Two or three years ago, I tried to explain that in a Facebook group for Lightroom users. My point was that a professional photographer would be able to take exceptional photographs, even with a phone. The response from the group's professionals told me that no professional would ever select such a camera. Well, of course not, but they missed the point entirely. No professional photographer would choose a smartphone to photograph a wedding. That's because it would be the wrong tool for the job and yet a professional photographer might well choose a smartphone for any number of reasons and in any number of situations. I'm no longer a member of that Facebook group, by the way. Professional photographers choose the equipment they use for a reason. A camera phone is not acceptable for several reasons. Here are just a few of them. Limited settings. Even pocket-sized cameras often have options for switching to manual mode so that the user can select the aperture and shutter speed. These options are not generally available on phones. Operational speed is another reason. A digital SLR has essentially no shutter lag time. Click the shutter and take the picture. Today's phones are much faster than early digital cameras that often had quarter-second lags, but they're still not as fast as cameras that are intended for professionals and serious amateurs. Tiny sensors are a third problem. Both iOS and Android phones can be used to create images that are far better than they should be. These cameras have sensors smaller than the nail on your smallest finger, yet they still create excellent JPEG images, and with the right software, even RAW images. But small sensors create images with more noise. There's just no way to avoid that. And the real killer, number four, lenses. Photographers who use digital SLR cameras can mount a walk-around lens that offers a moderate wide-angle to moderate telephoto series of zooms. Cameras in smartphones, even those that offer two or sometimes three lenses, are still limited. Phones do offer digital zoom, but the result will always be worse than using a lens with optical zoom or even enlarging the image in an application such as Photoshop or Lightroom. Now, all that doesn't mean that smartphone cameras are useless. They're not. In fact, the images that come from these small devices with tiny sensors often amaze me. Mainly, it depends on selecting the right camera for the job. Maybe you've seen an image of a photographer on a mountain. The photographer has carried a backpack full of equipment to the top of the mountain. He's standing beside a tripod, and he's taking a photograph with a smartphone. Why? Well, clearly the guy has brought his tripod, camera bodies, and lenses up the mountain for a reason. The smartphone image might be something he'll use for reference, or maybe he'll share it with his friends. Obviously, though, he doesn't plan to document the journey with nothing more than a smartphone picture. So, select the hardware to suit your needs. I have a digital SLR camera with several lenses, and I love to use that camera. But sometimes lugging all of that gear somewhere is far less than appealing. My younger daughter had a baby in early October. We visited with her, her husband, his father, my wife, and older daughter at the hospital. Although I used a camera in my smartphone for some pictures, I also took along a pocket-sized digital camera, not the big SLR, and used it to capture some of the more important images. So select the hardware to suit your needs. Or did I already say that? some photographers still use film cameras. I'm not one of them, but I certainly don't denigrate photographers who do. A professional or serious amateur photographer will understand the importance of choosing the right tool for the task at hand. So don't rule out cameras and smartphones, pocket-sized cameras, or digital SLRs. They all have a reason to exist. The problem with USB disk drives that are attached to a Windows computer is that they tend to nod off. This can cause an application that wants to write data to the drive to crash. At the very least, it can cause disk access to become erratic and unreliable. Microsoft should have a setting to control this, and actually it claims to. Unfortunately, the setting doesn't work. Fortunately, there is a free application that fixes the annoyance. Users should be able to open the power settings dialog and specify that USB drives should never be allowed to power down. After all, the setting is right there, and the description is plain even in Microsoftian English. You can change the setting so that the USB drive won't go to sleep, but the operating system seems to ignore the setting. At that point, you have several options. Swear uncontrollably, buy a Mac, or download the Keep Alive utility from GitHub. I chose the third option. Keep Alive can be set to start with Windows, and it can be set to write a file to all of your USB drives every few minutes. Windows won't allow a disk drive to go to sleep if it seems to be in use. I created a KeepAlive directory on each drive and set the application to write a file to that directory every two minutes. It overwrites the existing file each time, so there's no concern about using up a lot of space. The file itself acts as a success log by writing a file that says, this file was generated by KeepAlive HD application on a specific date at a specific time. If there's ever a problem with the application, and so far I haven't seen one in more than a year, I can review the files and see when they were last written. Every two minutes seems like a good choice, and none of my seven USB drives has knotted off since I started using the application. You can download the application, just visit the Keep Alive HD section on GitHub. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. <laughs> You won't need to do anything to keep spare parts alive, but you will find it only on the website. This week, Adobe Max 2019 attracted nearly 20,000 attendees to Los Angeles as the company released some new applications and updates for most existing applications. That email that seems to be from somebody you know might be a fraud. Look closely because fraudsters are getting better. And 20 years ago, I was worrying about people who didn't routinely back up their computers. Things are better now, but only marginally. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.